Hello and welcome to your new episode of Hot Water by Coworkings, the podcast where we discuss the future of work and workspaces through various angles with professionals from all over the world. We are back today with the second episode of our mini trilogy called Life After Coworking. The idea? Discuss the takeaways and lessons learned with three former founders of coworking spaces in three very different cities. In the second episode, we made our way to Madrid to chat with Julie Robin, previously co-founder of La Piscine, which means the swimming pool in French, a coffee she started back in 2017 with her partner and friend Estelle Maripiche. Together, we discussed how the idea of creating La Piscine came to life, what kind of challenges they encountered, and what led them to stop operating the space. Last but not least, we talked about Julie's new business, which she grew out of La Piscine, a beautiful and sustainable fashion brand called L'Envers, turning upside down the way we consume fashion. Are you ready? Let's dial in. Hello Julie and welcome to Hot Water uh, by Coworkies. We are delighted to have you on the show. I often like to start with a simple question. How and where on earth are you? Hello Pauline, it's great to see you again. Uh, well, I'm still in Madrid uh, or next to Madrid. When we met, first met in 2017, I was living in the city center. But I recently moved to a small village called Cercedilla, which is like a, an hour driving from Madrid on the west side in a small village in the mountains. Sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> I invited you here today to talk about your co-working story. Can we start maybe with your background and what led you to open a co-working space in Madrid? Great. Okay, so, well, I, I started uh, my career uh, in Paris uh, when I was like 24 years old um, for four years and then Um, we moved to London, so I was working for Habitat, um, the design brand, and uh, moving to London, I was still working for Habitat because it's a, or it used to be an English company back in time. Uh, so we used to live in London for five years, um, had good fun over there, I had my first girl, and then I left Habitat and I worked for a jewelry brand. And then my husband has an opportunity to move to Madrid. So we said maybe we leave the rain and we go into the sunny Spain. So we moved to Madrid. Um, so when I arrived here, I was pregnant with my second girl. Uh, it was um, a crisis moment for Spain, very hard to find a job. So it took me a few years to really sort of define my professional projects. I've done a few stuff, but nothing really, I would say, intellectually challenging or stuff I started, but I sort of get bored very, very quickly. So I was like, maybe I should start my own company. And I met with my ex-business partner, Estelle. She's French. We studied together at the same business school. And when she arrived in Madrid, uh, she got her phone and called me like, hey, I'm new in town and should we meet? And uh, And we were in a cafe uh, and we were surrounded by people working on a computer. And we said, hey, this is so 
bizarre, you know, like people now when they are in a bar, they just don't come with friends, but they come with computers uh, and they work. It's like a new a new way of working. And I was like, but how can a, a bar make business? Because if you're working there and you spend hours and hours, you just drink a coffee. So there is no business model out of it. And we were just yeah, commenting that in the day after I've read an article about what a coffee is. And I was like, hey, Stella, I think I have an idea here. Why we don't open a coffee? So coffee is like this mix between being a co-working and an office. So um, it brings best world of, uh, of both uh, options. And it was like this kind of very spontaneous idea we had. And we were very quick at opening it, at putting it in place. And it was back in 2017. You just gave a lot of information that leads me to my next question. So you talked about a coffee. So I'm not sure if the listeners are fully aware of what it is. So I'll just explain. It's a mixture between co-working or cafe and office. So like that's the structure. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the time, this kind of model, so the coffee model and so Lapicine, your space, was a fairly new concept for Madrid, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A coffee was, uh, I think it's a Russian uh, concept originally, and uh, it was uh, already in big um, European capital cities like Paris and London, but Spain has this beauty of being a bit slower than the rest of Europe. So in- <laughs> <laughs> there was no, there was no coffees yet, but you could see like there was this kind of, of new business and, uh, and we were very keen to sort of open the first one, you know, to have this kind of pioneer and, uh, this kind of authenticity and prim, uh, of, of being the first ones. And can you just maybe quickly touch base on the business model? So what was different from, let's say, co-working space where you just get a membership for the week, the month or three months, six months? How was your business model different in that way? So I think the word coffee really summarizes it all because it's like a coffee shop. People go in in order to work and it's a very attractive place to work for people who need coffee and food free Wi-Fi. So it's this kind of a, of a new concept. No, it's much more lively than, a, than, a, mm-hmm. than an office. But still, it's a quiet place with great Wi-Fi. And the, the concept is really you pay for the time you spend. So you spend an hour, then you pay four euros and you can print stuff. You can have all the coffee you want and juice and because you have like a, a space where you have biscuit and, and, and cafe and you can help yourself. So it's kind of very welcoming environment. And so the business model is this one. So you pay for the time you spend on the, on, on the place. So either you spend an hour or two or three or the day. So this is really, yeah, depending on the, on the conception, uh, you, you, or you need based on you need and how many hours uh, or days you need to spend in the, in the space. And it was also possible for you to do events there, right? So, so people could privatize it, which was also part of the business model. Exactly. Yes, I think another part of the of the business was to be a coffee, but as well to be an event place. Because I think having a, a coffee is very limited. The space we had was quite small, so we had to be a bit innovative and think how to to make money out of it. So um, what you could do with Lapisin, you can just uh, rent the place and privatize it, and we could just organize events. So you being a company and you want to have like a meeting with your clients because it was quite an innovative place in Spain. So you just sort of bring values and you just like show to your clients you are part of an exciting experience within Madrid. And as well at night, we were just organizing events 
So very different ones, networking events or cultural events or birthday party. So very, very different ones. And the idea really was to build a community. So it's not just you are going and sitting there and you don't talk to anybody. It's like you can leave during the day or during the night and meet people. So there was this very strong aspect of a social place to connect with people. Speaking of people, actually, that's a, it's a great point that you're bringing to the table, but like who was part of the community? Can you tell us a little bit more maybe about like were they freelancers, companies, a mix of everything? Like what were people working on? So at Clapicine, I think we had... <laughs> and you can hear behind me, little <laughs> Felix. So I think people coming to, to work at La Piscine were like, um, well, very different people in the end. We had like freelance, we had student people. I think the, the main uh, common point is like they were more from abroad. So people just traveling for the first time in Spain or just arriving in Spain because they knew this concept from abroad and they have it in their own countries. We had very little uh, Spanish people, but yeah, they were just like mainly freelance who didn't really have like an office working on their own and they really wanted to sort of connect, you know, and socialize with other solo, solopreneurs. And I remember that during one of our conversations when we met, you were telling us that it was actually quite challenging to run a coffee in Madrid. But what was difficult or challenging uh, for you even like when you started and over the years, what became difficult with running La Piscine? Um, I think with our, with our business, I didn't really uh, anticipate much the sort of um, aspect of welcoming people, you know. So you have people walking all the time. So you have to get your space ready and clean, you know, with like all this kind of coffee and biscuits. So it's like a bit like a restaurant, Uh, so it, it takes time, you know, to, to get everything ready and you have people walking in every day and it's quite uh, intense because you keep on introducing the concept over and over and over. It's not like people entering a restaurant and they know they're going to have dinner or lunch so you don't have to tell them, okay, what is this place all about? Whereas wizards, people entering were like, hey, what are you guys doing? What What's happening here? So, which was very exciting because you really explained something new to someone but Days after days after days, you were like sort of uh, repeating uh, yourself a lot. And uh, it, it was uh, a bit of a, for me, I think a very challenging aspect uh, because it's really like being a PR in the end. It's like convincing people uh, about what you do and what you offer is, uh, is a great thing. And I think especially in, in, in Spain, because it was quite new, people really doubted about it or didn't really understand the mm -hmm. value. So it was not so easy to justify why you would pay here for the time you spend, whereas you could go in, um, I don't know, McDonald's or Starbucks cafe and just spend it the entire day for much less money. But so you, it was really about convincing people of, of why it's better to work with us. It's uh, a quiet space and you can connect with people. But I think people were not ready or mature enough to sort of understand that. How and why the conversation of stopping la piscine um, come into the picture? So I think um, this is really my, my, my personal story. I arrived at that time uh, after two years, getting very tired because it's quite intense. 
I was pregnant with my third baby. So as well, entering this moment of life where you can just be 100% uh, because mm -hmm. uh, you have something happening. And I think as well on my uh, husband's side, it was a bit of a discussion for him. Maybe he would change uh, country and be uh, moved into a, a different country. So I was like, okay, should I keep on, on, on working at La Piscine, investing uh, time here? Because I know my days are counted. And, um, and something else I haven't mentioned, I had a different company as well on the side. So I was a bit like, you know, split it between different stuff. And I was like, okay, I need to make a choice. And out of everything I have now in my life, it's too much going on and I need to sort of focus on one project rather than trying to embrace everything and just like, yes, not being able to, to, to manage it all. So I think it was for me reaching this conclusion, like I really, really liked what I was doing at La Piscine with Estelle. I think we're very, yeah, very happy, the two of us, very different. So both supporting like uh, different competence, you know, so, so working at very well together as a team. But reaching that point of, okay, I think I'm entering this phase a bit of a losing motivation and I need to make a choice so I can't be 200% dedicated. I need to focus on something. And did the two of you decide to stop or did they still said, okay, you go and I'll continue with La Piscine? So we had many, many conversations because obviously it's not easy to stop an adventure and even less when you started it with someone else because it's two people involved. So so I really thought a lot if continuing La Piscine or not because Estelle was on board and I, I was really uh, liking what I was doing. But when I've made this decision, I couldn't go backwards. And I say to Estelle, okay, I think it's time for me to sort of leave uh, la piscine and, and move on, on something else. So um, it was not easy time for us too, obviously. Uh, well, for her, it comes at no surprise and she understood why I was leaving. So we really thought about, okay, shall we just stop and close it down? Shall we just me sort of staying part-time and her full-time or just her sort of being 100% without me and really looking at the different options. She was quite keen to continue, maintain the business open. And unfortunately uh, for her, she had to yeah, stop because she reached a point after six to eight months that it didn't prove good enough to sort of uh, make so much effort. Yeah, she just like uh, unplugged the whole business and I think she she was clever to find like a, a startup so and I think it was a beautiful end so it was an end and this is always sad but as well she managed and she found someone uh, it's like a startup French actually if I'm right and so they just like now use the premises they didn't really change much of the decoration and the setup we had and the uh, startup Uh, spirit uh, has survived in La Piscina. <laughs> so it's quite a beautiful uh, end. But, Transition. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And what has been the biggest lesson for you out of the whole experience of starting a co-working slash coffees? I think opening a co-working and something we didn't really anticipate at first is like 
it's really about the volume. So having a small space as we used to have, so you, we could fit like maybe 15 people. So it was quite small. You, could, you couldn't really live out of it because it was not enough people walking in and out all the time. So I think a good lesson I draw from that is that co-working is a, is a volume business. So you need to really like have big space so you can be uh, profitable because uh, you have many people walking in. If someone would come to you tomorrow and be like, hey, Julie, I want to start a co-working space. Do you have an advice for me? What would that uh, advice be? Uh, I think that person really needs to yeah, be passionate and really understand that a co-working today is more than renting a space. It's about making life a community of people because in the end, I think if you as an individual person wants to work in a co-working, you expect more than a table and a chair. You want to connect with people. You want to sort of uh, create synergy with your people surrounding you. So I think uh, uh, someone sort of starting this adventure really has to keep that in mind. It's not just like opening a, a space. It's about making it alive and uh, just yeah, creating events around it. So you create excitement and you really make um, connection between everybody coming uh, and working at your co-working. As this uh, episode is called Life After Corking, I would love to talk about your new venture now. You went back to your first love or premier amour, as we say in French, uh, which is uh, fashion, and you created uh, L'Envers. Can you talk to us about the philosophy behind your brand? Um, so, so maybe if I give uh, the definition or the meaning of l'envers, uh, which is a French word, you will understand what it all sums up. It's about you think l'envers is mean the opposite, not uh, the um, other way. Like reverse, so, yeah, the other way. The reverse, the other way. Uh, and I think it really summarizes what we we are keen at. Is like it's a fashion brand. Maybe I can give you a bit more of a context. Lover is a slow fashion brand or ethical brand or a sustainable brand. Uh, call it, uh, we can call it different way, but it's all about defending the less is more uh, philosophy. Maybe giving a bit of context, I was um, going through interviews to work for, the fast, for a fast fashion uh, brand and I sort of, uh, yeah, study a bit the uh, sector and really trying to understand where all those clothes were made. And I try, I try to sort of understand and, and close, you know, all this information because I was like, hey, this T-shirt worth five euros, but why? It's very cheap. So how, how is that feasible and possible? So I've started to sort of uh, understand a bit more about the fast fashion uh, industry and how it really works and the terrible um, aspect it has because... When you, you sell something for five euros, you can't pay your providers at the right wage and you just use very poor material quality. So you're selling something that is not, uh, is not gonna, uh, resist the test of the time. So I was like, okay, I need to sort of think about something else. No, try to have a fashion brand, which is done here in local in Spain, where I live and trying to use beautiful and very good quality raw materials. So just doing it at l'envers, so the, the opposite way of the fast fashion. And I was like, okay, I need to yeah, think about that. So just doing less things, but doing them better, and they just last uh, longer. And l'envers is still 
a relatively new brand, but it met quite some success. I think you have over 10,000 followers on Instagram and I start uh, to also see a lot of uh, people wearing your clothes, which I'm really happy for you when I see that. I'm like, yay, awesome. Um, but so how did that happen for you to build a community around your philosophy and your way of seeing fashion? Or at least slow fashion, yeah. I think as we define ourselves, uh, we make it slow to make it last. And I think really it's something, a statement I really I really believe in, not only professionally wise, but personally wise. Like, don't be too impatient in life because what requires time is what's going to be better. So I started longer back in 2015, so almost five years ago. And even if I had La Piscine in between, so I sort of put aside longer. Lanvera is still five years old, so it's new, but still it has a bit of a of a of a historic background. And I think really uh, we are self finance. Uh, we are very organic brand, not only by the raw material we use, but everything we do. And I think we are very authentic in everything we do. And so you know, it started like, slowly with a, a few people understanding us because back in 2015, slow fashion was like, "Hey, what are you guys all about?" Today, it's like much more common or more popular. But back in back in time, it was not so big on trends. So I think slowly we we build that community. And what I was really keen it was actually sort of interact with people. I was like. Guys, what do you want? Which color? Which material? What do you think we should do? So slowly, you know, they were like, hey, they liked listening and asking for our opinion. So great. And people like to give their opinions and, you know, they start to sort of be their own, your own ambassadors and talking to their parents and talking to their families and friends. So um, I think slowly we sort of, um, yeah, makes people happy and, you know, they start talking about your brands and because you do things differently you stand out and because yeah we do it authentically as well uh i think as well people really are sensitive to this kind of uh, message are there some similarities between the way you run la piscine and you now run l'envers or did one of the business inspire the other in any way I think in the end, when you run a business and either you sell cars or you sell, I don't know, socks, it's all about building strong relationship and trust, no, with your, with your client and do it, uh, in a authentic. I, I keep on repeating this word, but I think it's, it's very true. So doing it in a way that people will really believe you because what you say is true. Um, so either for la piscine or l'envers is really to put your heart in what you do. Uh, because it has much more value than buying something which was made in a very impersonal way, you know, and by someone who didn't really think about the concept and how you can sort of uh, give it a color or a feeling or a, a flavor. So it's it's a very personal thing, and I think people really believe into that because it, it gives it like a much more yeah personal approach. And I have one last question uh, for you before wrapping things up. Do you think you will ever go back to the co-working world in any way, be it as a member or who knows, by creating a space around fashion professionals, for instance? Um, it's a very <laughs> and hard question. Never say never in life. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, right now I'm, I'm really trying to focus on longer only and really center all my yes energy in, into that. And uh, and don't do anything else. 
but something as well I have quite clear in mind, like, you know, we always speak about a vision and where do you see yourself in five or 10 years as a brand or as a, as a founder? Maybe something I'm hoping, maybe I will sell l'envers, you know, and I will be like a mentor, you know, for some young people launching their own brand. And I think the sort of space you need for that, you know, yeah, like in Paris, for example, or even in Spain, you have this kind of physical space uh, where you you sort of uh, host brands, like young brands, and you sort of uh, accelerate them. Uh, for mm -hmm. example, in Paris, they're going to open La Caserne, I think, next year. And I think this is there are great spaces of, um, yes, uniting brands, sharing the same interests or working in the same industry and all together, like with um, l'intelligence collective. I think it's a very clever way. So something maybe, yes, I will end up doing is like, having like a space surrounded by young brands and maybe trying to, to, to guide them uh, in growing their brands. This is real life <laughs> of being a mompreneur. Real life as a mom. Well, Julie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on Hot Water. I really wish that uh, soon enough we'll be able to see each other again. And uh, we will add all the links about L'Envers if people want to discover uh, your beautiful brand and also follow it and follow its journey. And yeah, I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much, see you. Pauline. See you soon. Take care. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe to Hot Water on your favorite podcast platform to get notified when new episodes are out. And if you seek more co-working stories from around the world, make your way on coworkiesbook.com to order a copy of our book Around the World in 250 Coworking Spaces, a unique book project about coworking, community, and design. Lastly, if you wish to connect with Julie, make your way in the description of this episode to find all the relevant links. See you very soon for yet another great conversation on the future of work and workspaces. Ciao, ciao!